Welcome to Bike Talk, streaming at KPFK Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, California, Valley Free Radio in Florence, Massachusetts, and WMBR in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm Nick Richard. Today we have Ruthie Woodring in the studio live. Ruthie's been involved in bike actions longer than I even realized. Mm -hmm. You founded Pedal People in Northampton, which hauls trash and so much more. You do Bike Lab and... You just told me when I told you about the interview we're about to play in Chicago that you used to be involved in the Chicago bike world. Yeah, that's actually where I like cut my teeth in bike activism, I would say. Because, mm. like, yeah, growing up in eastern Kentucky, I just I, I rode bikes because I loved them and didn't want to pollute. But then when I moved to Chicago, the Chicago through the Chicagoland Bicycle Federation, which and organizations like that, and Critical Mass, that was when I really learned about like sprawl and urban development and street design, like you're going to talk about, like we're going to talk about later. And that kind of thing. All right. So this interview is with someone you know, John Greenfield, yeah. the, <laughs> the Street Spot Chicago editor. Um, he wrote an article about the recent car killing of a three-year-old who was biking on her mother's bike on what should have been a safe street. It had a daycare on the street. It was a slow street, but that slow street designation was taken away. And it's also with Rebecca Ressman, who's the Chicago family biking founder. Let's play the interview. So John is the author of the post on Streets Blog called Lily Grace Shambrook 3, Killed by Trucker, is second recent child fatality on or near Leland. But we start with Rebecca. All right, I'm with Rebecca Restman, founder and lead organizer of Chicago Family Biking, which is a grassroots volunteer organization with over 4,000 members. And you empower families to bike in Chicagoland, which is the Chicago area and the surrounding suburbs and you have a whole bunch of calendar rides uh monthly neighborhood rides you lead one uh big one and uh welcome to bike talk rebecca thank you so much happy to be here but not thank under you. the occasion that brings us together yeah this one really has the blood coming into my face i don't know if it's i'm just more sensitive to this type of thing these days. Do you want to talk, just talk about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, so for those that might not know what we're talking about, uh, in Chicago yesterday, there was a toddler on the back of her mother's bicycle who uh, was killed while riding and uh, what happened was there was a ComEd truck, which is our local utility truck, uh, was blocking the bike the bike lane in a neighborhood greenway. And this is a neighborhood street. It's not a main thoroughfare. And when the mother went to go around her, she was, uh, according to reports, also passed by a semi-truck, which is quite large. Um, and the semi-truck clipped the mother on her bike and she, causing her to lose balance. And unfortunately the bike seat uh, that uh, Lily, the toddler that passed away was in the ground is crushed by a semi-truck on a neighborhood street in front of a daycare center. Right. So there are so many issues. There's so many th levels to this here. So yeah. many things that come, that came together. And this is why we don't call it a, an accident. Absolutely not. It's a crash. This was preventable in every sense of the word. 
I mean, you shouldn't have been parking in the bike lane. You know, the company that the truck was people outside of Chicago don't know. ComEd is our, uh, the supplier of our electricity in Chicago. So we all pay ComEd. If you have electricity, you pay ComEd. And part of your money has now funded this incident, unfortunately. Yeah. And so this happens all the time. This is for a couple of reasons. There's no enforcement and there's no actual and barriers. They're not protected bike lanes. Right? Yeah. And it, like you said, there's a real lack of accountability that we see. And it's not just with utilities. It's with delivery trucks. It's with uh, individuals that choose to double park. We also see a lot of interruptions to the normal traffic patterns uh, due to construction, Uh, especially in Chicago. We're always under construction. And unfortunately, what we're left with is these unpredictable experiences for people driving, but also for people biking and walking, which are the most vulnerable in these situations. Uh, But yeah, if we're going to make our streets safer, this isn't one person's problem or one company's problem or one city worker's problem. This is all of our problems. And that's why our organization is actually issuing a call to action that extends from our elected officials all the way to everyone that lives here. You know, our city officials, our mayor, our 50 aldermen in the city of Chicago, we want to see them prioritize pedestrian and bike safety over parking by implementing expert recommended road designs instead of what we see so often is where they get watered down or compromised because you have a NIMBY crowd concerned about fill in the blank, you know, whether it's parking or people that live outside the neighborhood riding by their home, but they get involved. And then we, we kind of destroy these, the heart of these projects. We're also calling on them to really investigate how to make large commercial trucks live in our streets without killing us, right? We need to see them outfitted with safety measures like side guards. We need to see, uh, you know, we need to see enforcement and and then limitations also of, of where they're allowed to be. And from what I've heard, a lot of semi-trucks drive on this particular street in an effort to avoid the two arterials that are nearby. Like the fact that it was on this residential street is just astounding to me. They shouldn't be on there. Our city officials should act. And then at the other level, when, you know, again, talking about what we should be doing, we need to leave 10 minutes early when we drive so that we're not feeling rushed and we're not treating neighborhoods like shortcuts. And we need to be able to pause our own agenda when we see people walking, rolling, or biking. We should give them a moment to make sure they're safe because that is 100% more important than any place you're going. And then we also just need to see people supporting efforts to make our streets safer. When we see projects that are on the on the slate or having a public meeting, you need to make sure that, that your representatives know that you're a yes because If you don't shout yes, you're saying no. For me, losing a three-year-old child, I mean, that should be enough. Do you feel that in the death of a child like this, that we're sort of more focused on this because of uh, what just happened recently in Uvalde? Oh, man. 
I think that there is a connection. All of this stuff is swirling around, right? You have uh, a Supreme Court ruling about Roe v. Wade and, and suddenly everyone is, not suddenly, but you have a lot of people that are concerned about protecting life. But then, yes, you also have that juxtaposed against Uvalde, where we have kids getting gunned down in their classrooms. And where's where's the outcry by the same group, right? You have that. And then you're right. You have, you have this in where our kids, one of the leading causes of death is in, you know, traffic crashes. So I think it's all fresh in our minds that we are unnecessarily losing our, our young people. And I would love to see us really work together to protect the young people that are, that are here, that are sitting in desks, that are sitting in bike seats. It's funny you mentioned Uvalde. We were trying to plan a, uh, and we are planning a bike and roll uh, for safe streets uh, with our community. And, and we're extending that to uh, everyone in, you know, in Chicago that wants to show up. So it's our organization, Chicago Family Biking, alongside Better Streets Chicago and in tandem with a few other organizations that are in support. We're actually meeting up at the site of where a toddler was killed last week in Chicago, which was only a mile away, uh, 1.4 miles away. Um, there was a, a child on a scooter that was killed and we're going to meet there first and have, um, you know, talk a bit, have a moment of silence. And then we're going to walk over the 1.4 miles to where uh, yesterday's tragedy occurred. Um, but when we were planning this event, we originally were looking at Saturday and, and we couldn't do Saturday because so many people from our community already going to uh, a march for gun reform and, and, and changes for that. So it is connected, right? Because you have people that are dedicating every spare moment of their weekend to protesting and crying and trying to get people to pay attention to these threats. Hey, folks. Um, hey, John. Hey, John. Took a while for me to get on. I guess it wouldn't be a Zoom meeting without having some technical difficulties first. John, in your article on Streets Blog, there were so many uh, issues to untangle here. I mean, there's a daycare on the street. It was a slow street. They removed the slow street because of driver complaints and the fact that it was winter. There was a truck parked in the bike lane. The truck was a, a utility truck for the city utility. The, in, in the regular lane, the mother was hit by a semi-truck. I mean, how many things are wrong with this picture? Yeah, it was kind of a perfect storm. There's some question about, like one theory there is, is that trucks use this as a route because the next major street, one block north, Lawrence Avenue, has a low viaduct. Um, it's only 11 foot, six inches high. And the viaduct on Leland Avenue, where this street happened, is higher than that because it was recently reconstructed. Um, so that might be why this huge semi-truck was on a bike route. Um, I just learned from the CTA that they're reconstructing the Lawrence Viaduct, so that'll be taller in the future. So maybe that'll help keep trucks off Leland. But I mean, this could have been a slow street. It's got a daycare on the street. Why, why can't a street with a daycare automatically have a slow street? Yeah, another Something. issue this brings up is like even, you know, neighborhood greenways in Chicago are basically what the rest of the country calls bike boulevards. So these are bike priority side streets. And when these were first proposed in Chicago several years ago, the initial proposal was to use traffic diverters, which 
basically make it impossible to have local traffic, non-local traffic on a road, impossible to use the road as a cut through. If this was going on in like Berkeley, California, this would be a street with traffic diverters where local people could drive to their houses. You know, you'd be able to access particular blocks, but it wouldn't be possible for drivers to use these as cut through routes, as alternatives to arterials. So if that had happened, this truck probably wouldn't have been on the street. You know, instead, what our, our neighborhood greenways are simply, we get some sharrows, some bike and chevron markings on the street, maybe some speed humps, maybe some sidewalk bump outs, uh, maybe some contraflow bike lanes, but there's not really much there to, that keeps people from using these routes as cut throughs when that kind of traffic should really be on arterial streets. What would you like to see? I'd like to see Chicago start doing what the rest of the country that does bike boulevards does, which is use traffic diverters to say like, hey, side streets are for walking, biking, and local traffic. They're not for huge semi-trucks to use as pass-throughs. And the reason that we can't get that is because commuters don't want to change their ways. Yeah, just, you know, people get very touchy, at least in Chicago, when you say like, okay, we know you're used to using this street as a shortcut, so you don't have to go, you don't have to deal with traffic jams on the nearby arterial, or like you're used to coming and going from your house a certain specific way, but like we're asking you to not use this as a, a cut through. We're asking you to detour a couple blocks in order to have a safer street. And for people who live on the street, obviously the benefit is um, you're going to have less people driving by your house. It'll be safer for you to walk and bike on the street. You know, that's really something we should campaign for harder in Chicago is to get proper bike boulevards here. So when a three-year-old is killed on her mother's bike, maybe that creates a rallying point for a campaign. Yeah, I think we could really be at a turning point here because, as you know, it wasn't just that Lily was killed on a bicycle um, in Uptown on Leland Avenue, but exactly a week before, uh, there was a kid named Rafi Cardenas. Uh, he was almost three, and he was killed by an SUV driver when he rode a, a scooter off the sidewalk into an intersection. So this is like pretty much the same street. It was a Rafi's case was a half block south. So, you know, it's two neighborhoods next to each other. They're both places that are known as being bike and pedestrian friendly. You know, they've got aldermen who basically get these issues, but, you know, we still can figure out a way to prevent these deaths. So I think we're going to see a lot more interest in making streets safer for children and families. The march on Sunday could really could be powerful to help raise a, awareness of this issue. Rebecca, this is the march that you were talking about an event on Saturday, but yes, on on Sunday we are having a walk and roll for safer streets event, and we'll start at a Lincoln Square location and then walk and roll to the uptown location. Um, I would love to piggyback on some things that you're saying, John, because, you know, our organization, Chicago Family Biking, we're really thinking about how to demand change. And what does that look like? And we can all say we want safer streets, but what's the action plan? So I like what you were saying about uh, designing real bike boulevards. And I'll tell you, that's that's one of our call to actions for, you know, IDOT, CDOT, Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago and all 50 of Chicago's aldermen is to prioritize pedestrian and bike safety over the parking by implementing uh, the expert recommended road designs that were being presented and not order them down based on 
the small but loud crowd that is against this because they're anti-bike or they're, you know, the typical NIMBYs or they don't want to change their behavior. We're so tired of compromising the heart of what these projects could be because of a few select complaints. And, and I feel like we just see that chip away at the, the very real impact that these projects could have uh, time after time or completely shelve them altogether, um, which in Chicago means we have a very, very disconnected network of safe streets for people biking. Rebecca was very involved in a campaign on another east-west street. We, we don't have too many great east-west bike routes in Chicago. That's, a, that's an issue. So there's a street in a wealthy neighborhood called Lincoln Park, uh, Dickens Avenue. And the Department of Transportation was proposing like a pretty modest change to it to create a neighborhood greenway. And the neighbors, they're just freaked out that they said it was going to divert all this bike traffic on the street, make it really dangerous for pedestrians because they get struck by bicyclists. Um, There is someone did like a mailer campaign, like political mailers warning how dangerous this neighborhood greenway was going to be. And um, Rebecca and Chicago Family Biking did a great job of just getting like, seemed like dozens of people, families with kids to show up to a community meeting to voice support for it. And so the project was supposed to be moving forward. I think that might've been like three years ago that meeting happened um, and they still haven't built the thing. uh, Although the alderman says it's happening. And I recently found out that there's like one particular attorney who lives on the street who has been like really doing wild stuff to try to stop this project. I think he's in the process of like putting a lawsuit together. We'll probably have some reporting on that on Streets blog soon. Just a case to show you like the challenges that come up when you're trying to create safe routes on side streets, just how the neighbors sometimes really act irrational, just come up with all these imaginary concerns about like why it would be bad to make the street bike friendly. Well, Rebecca, so you're going to keep organizing. And do you know Families for Safe Streets? I didn't, I don't think you have one in Chicago. Um, I believe that's the organization that originated out of Transalt, right? In New York. It may have. Yeah, we do not have one. Um, I, I think there might be some efforts to make a national movement out of it, but I have not seen activity in Chicago. At least no one's, no one's approached me about it. And I'm, I'm usually pretty nosy. John knows. <laughs> um, I haven't heard anything either. I mean, I think there might, we've got a lot of advocacy organizations in Chicago. So I think we might sort of have that already, you know, the sum of what we've got. It certainly wouldn't hurt to have that as well and have it be linked to a national movement. But, um, you know, I think a lot of stuff, Chicago Family Biking and some of the other groups have been working on is pretty similar. I just hope everybody's talking to each other at the, at the highest levels too, like across the country. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, we can have some broad <clears throat> legislative priorities that really address these large commercial vehicles. Those are problematic in every space they, they enter, right? And there's, there's things that we know we can do to prevent the harm that they are inflicting, like getting side guards, uh, in, you know, which we've tried to do in Chicago for years. It's like how many people have to be swallowed by a semi-truck before we say, hey, guys, put some plastic on there. We have infrastructure issues if we are allowing these big semi-trucks to drive down residential streets where they just do not belong. So so maybe there's some uh, organizing at the national 
level that can inform the state level and, you know, then maybe even help with new municipalities enact laws and policies that are really thinking about these solutions in a more tangible and actionable way. Well, I know you said you're going to pick up your child. Yeah, children. They had field day today. Um, So I do. I have to go. I have to go pick them up. I'll be walking. I could bike, but I'm going to walk because it's only a mile. (laughs) But yeah, and um, thanks so much for having me on. I'd love to come back and talk to you about all the fun stuff. And I'll tell you, as a as a person that spent about a, I mean, more than a decade now encouraging people to bike with their babies, this is a really hard week. And um, I, I look forward to feeling confident and joyful in sharing the amazing events and smiles that we generally bring to our streets with Chicago family biking. And I hope I can do that again on a, on a future episode. Um, but uh, I appreciate mm-hmm. being yeah. involved today. So thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for all of your, your ongoing rides and organizing in Chicago. Thank you, John, for your article. Sure thing. That was Rebecca Ressman, Chicago Family Biking founder with John Greenfield. John Greenfield is the editor of Chicago Streets Blog and author of the post, Lily Grace Shambrook, three killed by trucker, second recent child fatality on or near Leland. So I'm with Ruthie Woodring in the studio here in Florence, Massachusetts. Yeah. Hi, Nick. Hi. <laughs> thanks for inviting me in today. Yeah. Thanks for coming. You got me involved with Valley Free Radio. Mm-hmm. You do so much here. You do Pedal People, Bike Lab, and you were in Chicago uh, at the start of your biking career. Yeah. I moved to Chicago when I was 19 from Eastern Kentucky and started working as a bike messenger there. I moved into the Catholic Worker in Uptown, right around the corner from Leland, where this crash was, and uh, worked as a bike messenger for a little bit. And, um, yeah. So, hi, John. Hi, Rebecca. Uh, I met John doing critical mass and bike-related things in the 90s when I was in Chicago before I moved to Massachusetts. Thanks for y'all's work there. So, sorry about this this uh, killing. Um, yeah, so oh, when I moved to Northampton, Massachusetts, I, well, when I was a messenger in Chicago, I always dreamed about employing myself on a bike like having my own bike based business because as a messenger I just kind of felt like a cog in the system like I'd be delivering packages to Amico Oil one day and protesting them the next Mm -mm. Um, and plus it was always just rush 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 and I love to ride my bike but not rush 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 all the time and always being late anyway so then I moved to Chicago I mean I moved to Massachusetts and my friend Alex Alex Jarrett he and I he he and I started this business called Pedal People um, so Northampton doesn't have any municipal trash pickup service. It's all privatized, and it's always been that way. So we decided huh. to, yeah, it's very, it's super inefficient because you'll have different haulers going down the same street, everyone a different day of the week. Um, anyway, so hmm. we, we, I had more of the biking experience, winter biking experience, and he had more of the business kind of mind and computer mind. So he did all the website stuff, and I did more of the bike repair stuff. And we already had a trailer, a Bikes at Work trailer. He had bought, he came to visit me in Chicago in like, well, he came to visit someone else in Chicago. And that's how I met him in like 2000, 1999 or 2000, I think. And he saw the Bikes at Work trailers that we were using at the Catholic Worker in Uptown. And um, he got one of his own because he was car free here in Northampton. So he was using his own trailer to haul his own trash and recycling 
there's a couple of transfer centers in town where we take the trash and recycling. So he was already hauling his own. And we we're like, well, we know we can haul our own. Maybe other people will pay us to take theirs. Hmm. So we started that in 2002. We're celebrating 20 years this fall. We're a 25-member worker cooperative. So we all own the business together and share the routes. We also do some yard care. We have monthly all cooperative meetings and subcommittees and stuff. Everyone does a combination of hauling work as well as administrative work. Um, yeah, it's great. I love it. It's part-time yeah. um, and super flexible. We paid off, Alex and I and some other friends paid off our house this way, doing pedal people, 13 years. And I'm a home- homeowner here in Northampton, which is a big deal because housing is so expensive right, if yeah. you're trying to rent. Yeah, I've been to your house. You had the you have these potlucks. Right. Yeah, we have Monday night potlucks. We are right on the bike path, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we have a, a cob bench that we put out there with a shelter, inviting people to sit and 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 uh, relax. We have a, a telephone that Alex put fifteen years ago. Uh, it's it you can call anywhere in the country for free. It's wired through the internet. It's a, like a payphone. No, well, yeah. I mean, it looks of, like a payphone. Yeah, it's just like a payphone attached to the white pine tree there with a little box around it that says phone, a little wooden box that Alex made. Uh, we have a bike repair station with a pump and tools hanging off of it that a neighbor gave us funding for. Oh, and now we have a fridge out there, too, like a community food pantry, take it or leave it pantry, as well as refrigerator, freezer thing. I don't recommend the, 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 f- the refrigerator part, but the food pantry, the take it or leave it pantry, I do recommend <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets a lot of good usage, including by the chipmunks. <laughs> huh. um, yeah, so if you're ever in Florence, Massachusetts. Yeah, stop by. 8 High Street is the street address. Or we also call it 927 Ryan Bikeway. Because when we first moved there, we wanted an address that wasn't a street address. We wanted a bike path address. And so we asked the the DPW, the Department of Public Works, like when you do maintenance on the bike path around the place where our house is, how do you how do you indicate like where you are? And they said, well, you're 9,275 feet from the other end of the bike path. That was stop and shop at that time. They said, so you'd be 927 Ryan Bikeway. We said, okay. So we put a mailbox out there and wrote our address on it. <laughs> Not for the mm-hmm. U.S. Postal Service, but to entertain ourselves, I guess. Wow. <laughs> That's, very, that's that's a very subtle uh, joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the bike lab, did you want me to talk about the bike lab? Yeah, it's like kind of like a bike co-op. It's the workshop set up in my friend's basement. It started because when I first moved to Northampton, uh, I, I biked everywhere. And in the winter, winter's real rough on a bike, salt and all that. And I didn't have anywhere to work on my bike because the place that Alex and I were renting at that time it, it didn't have a garage, shed, shelter, basement, nothing like that. And so my friend Paige saw me working in the on the kitchen table <laughs> trying to screw little screws into my tires to make studded snow tires. And she's like, hey, Ruthie, I got a basement. You can work on your bike in my basement. So she let me set up my bike tools in her basement. And then I'm like, wait, I have this set of bike tools, and I only need to use them like once a month. What a What a waste of good tools just sitting around. I should invite other people. And Paige was cool with that. And so we started a weekly open hours out of Paige's basement. That was around 2004, maybe 2000. Yeah, I'd say 2004. And so that became the bike lab, open hours every Saturday. And uh, you want to play the PSA for that? That's yeah. more exciting than just me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> I found-
your bike how to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it or maybe you know already but you just need to borrow a bike specific tool that you don't have well come to the bike lab almost every saturday since 2004 from 11 a.m to 2 p.m here in northampton at 12 northern avenue come with your bike or your questions and your willing attitude <laughs> spare part scavenger hunt every weekend Vengan al Bike Lab de Northampton, el taller de bicicleta. Aprende a arreglar tu bicicleta y a divertirte. All repairs guaranteed to the end of the driveway. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. Ya subase a la bici, compa. Trépese a la de montaña, la bici urbana, la bici cross. Lleguele a la bicicleta, ya de menos a la eléctrica o a la estática, ya no hay tos. Llegaré pedaleando en el viaje de allá para acá. Or the interview. What are you working on today, Lisa? Oh, hi, I'm working on this... Um old 10-speed Peugeot that I was lucky enough to find. It was abandoned and we checked in with the police and they said no one reported it. So um, I am going to give it a new new life. It looks like it's just your size. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm excited too because this is like the old 10-speeds. We even we saw the 73 on the frame and we think this is from the year I was born mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I grew up riding 10 speeds like this and I really I really love them <laughs> awesome yeah what have you enjoyed about the bike lab today oh my gosh well I've learned so much I've gotten the experience of um, I've done things in the past but I'm really bad unless I've done it over and over again to remember so so Ruthie helped me um, take off the tires and the tubes, uh, clean up the inside of the tire, check the frame, um, straighten straighten up some of the, what was it the called? The valve stems? The valve stems. And then, honestly, I hadn't ever taken off the back tire and dealt with de dealing with the back tire before, so getting comfortable doing that was nice. Um, learned a little bit about tightening up uh, when you have, what is it, the Americans wrenches on oh, a the, French bike. Yeah, adjustable wrench, like a crescent yeah, wrench. Yeah, getting right. getting used to that. Yeah, because all the wrenches here are metric and yeah. this is an English size, English size nuts. Right. But yeah, and um, honestly just learning about, you know, shifting and uh, so I feel really silly saying this, but I hadn't realized how much give there was on which shifter is this? The, the front The, the front shifter. shifter, like the play between um, just moving the shifter slightly rather than it always, I know this sounds stupid, I'm almost, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, um, but just, yeah, like shifting well and, and finding the ease and also the um, lubing the brake tubes and um, the, cables the and brake cables and getting the, bra the brakes in good shape too. Yes, okay. with a 1973 bike, well actually I don't know if the brake cables and housing, maybe it's been replaced before, but I don't know, but with the, with the older bikes it was either clean them and lube them with the cables and housing or have to replace them completely but we think we can get away with some cleaning and lubing that'll we'll buy some more time before we have to replace it completely yeah <laughs> which is nice which is nice 
Um, we like free here at the Bike Lab. I know, and re <laughs> re repurposing and reusing as much as possible. So it feels a lot better. Just I could even feel the difference when we did um, clean up the cables and get a little lube in them. So that was nice. And um, I'm looking forward to riding this. I'm hoping to commute to my new job, which is only a couple miles from where I'm living. So that'll be fun. And, uh, and also getting out on a good nice old 10 speed yeah. again <laughs> cool. well when you take it for a test ride today when, before you leave i want to ask you again how it okay. felt <laughs> how about you lingan how's your bike lab day today um pretty chill <laughs> it was um only one person came i was expecting more people because the weather is nice not too hot yeah but i'm also enjoying it just being low-key not doing much and <laughs> chatting with people and i really like bike lab because it's a good place to meet people, you know, and walk on bike and learning bikes, cool stuff, you know. Always like, I'm so into like, oh, this is new. No, this is like old style bike. Wow, look at the design, mm -hmm. you know, the detail is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And and seeing uh, the way, the old way of like, how do you, what do you say that uh, the pedal oh, the crank arms the, crank the powdered arm. cranks yeah it was yeah. like wow there was all that before that's really cool yeah. yeah so i'm having i'm having a good time here how was it it feels great the shifting was good and the brakes definitely work front and back i think it's in good shape and ready to go i'm excited this was so great and I really appreciated Ruthie how um, patient you are I have to admit um, you know I'll just say it as as a woman it felt really comfortable being here because sometimes I'm very intimidated going into the bike shops with all the experts and stuff mm -hmm. and like I this was very chill and nice so thank you well said. bikes well I like bikes <laughs> I don't know if, you, if people around the world know about this but in Los Angeles they have bike co-ops that are cooking themed because it started oh, yeah. with the bike kitchen. Yeah, the bike kitchen. I went there once in LA. And then they have bike wave and oh, no. <laughs> the, the bike oven, the valley, <laughs> the valley bikery. Oh, nice. Um, nice. I was thinking you could be the bike basement too because it's in a basement. And then, but uh, bike lab is of course very cool. Yeah, I called it bike lab because I was thinking the bike lab where you don't have to be a scientist to get mad. I'm not sure I get that. <laughs> you know, they talk about the oh, the mad scientist, mad scientist right, right. <laughs> working in the laboratory. Do you, do you, can you get mad working on a bike? Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, for sure. I'm trying to think what might be the most maddening things. Probably the mad. Some of the maddening things are when you work on something. You work on all these different parts of a bike, and then you 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 realize, oh wait, that thing that I started out with. Oh, you know, you you fixed up a whole bike, and then you're like, wait a minute, the frame's broken. <laughs> That kind of thing. Oh, that happens? I mean, not, that's sort of symbolic. I mean, that sort of kind of thing happens sometimes. Mm. Or you work on a bike a lot, and then the final thing, like, say, I don't want to give an example off the top of my head without thinking it through, because some bike mechanic out there will be like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that kind of thing where you, 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 you get most things done, and then you're like, oh, shoot, this isn't compatible. Whereas this bike is old, and I'm not going to be able to get replacement parts of the same threading or sizing or something. You're like, Ugh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you have other people working with you out there? Um, sometimes people, 
come, like people come sometimes, like my friend Eli Damon, he'll often show up. And he says he's not a bike mechanic, but as long as he's there, there'll be something for him to do. I'm like, Eli, just help them pump up their tire. You know how to pump up a tire, right? Eli, help them fix that flat. <laughs> Eli, help them get their, their chain back on. So um, there's always a range of skills, uh, a very wide range. Uh, once I had someone, someone showed up. They were walking. They had a bike with the front wheel in one hand, and they were sort of walking it with the other hand. And they came and they said, I was riding my bike down the street and the front wheel just, it just like, it just fell off. I have no idea what's wrong with my bike. Can you help me fix it? And uh, so we put the front wheel back on. That was, that was it. Well, how do people know about it? Because there's no, I've been there. There's no sign out. For, is there, well, um, there is, there's a little. Yeah, I put a sign out just on Saturdays when I'm there, but people find out about it online the, the, at the, on the Pedal People website, pedalpeople.coop. There's a page called Bike Lab, and it is actually pedalpeople.coop slash bike lab. Um, and that page has all the information about when and where and what it's like and my contact information and my schedule. Um, so if you just do a web search on bike workshops in, I don't know, definitely in Northampton, maybe in Western Mass, if you do a bike workshops in, I haven't done it like in Massachusetts, but people find out, they, t- they tell me they find out through searches online. Or also the Pedal People site. Pedal People has over a thousand customers, so um, if people are looking on that site, they might come across it. Also, um, word of mouth. I was gonna say. Yeah, word of mouth. A lot of it's word of mouth, and then uh, I have some flyers that I put out around town. Um, I have flyers that I try to keep in stock at behind our house on the bike path. Um, we have a little flyer box there. Uh, the bike repair station that we have there, if I find people are having trouble with the pump, which is hard to keep a public pump maintained. So whenever I see someone pumping, I'm like, hey, is everything going okay? I can get you the pump in the garage if you need. So I'll often run out there and, and I might give people a flyer there. Um, so yeah, usually on any Saturday, anywhere from 2 to 12 people will show up. Um, yeah, and if, if people don't show up, then there's lots of bikes there that I can work on because I'm always collecting bikes for various projects. (laughs) Should I talk about the Trinidad project? Or did you get some action over there on the computer? No, yeah, I can't get any action on the computer. I don't know why. (laughs) But um, I do want to talk about the Trinidad project, but I also had a question about co-ops or just maybe something that I was thinking, which is that there is kind of a a standard mission for a bike co-op. Right, which is to try to get people to fix work on their own bikes, try to uh, raise awareness of how to fix your bike. Yeah. And so there's this thing, the bike co-op, you know, that it's like a standard thing in a way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have thoughts about that? Um, so I'm actually, I'm part of another group here in Northampton called Bikes for All that's trying to start a bike co-op like that. And that's more, there's like a, core group of maybe six or eight people that are more organized some actually have bike shop formal bike shop experience and um that's a project of the friends of northampton trails um and so yeah i think bike bike co-ops like ideally well i guess i have two things to say i was going to say ideally you know the 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 movement would would grow and expand but then i'm also very wary of of assuming that growth is good because <laughs> sometimes it's fine to just do what you do and do it well and and we don't have to be obsessed with growing and and everything um but i 
yeah, definitely. My ultimate goal is for the society to get around on human power um, as much as possible, especially like able-bodied people. Um, so to have a more formal bike co-op would be great. The things I like about the bike lab is that it's out of my friend Paige's basement and I don't have to come up with any money. She just lets me, she likes having her basement occupied with bicycles and she likes having people come over on Saturdays. So I have no financial stress on me mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't worry about being too organized. I don't have to keep track of things. I don't have any funders. I don't have any like donors that I am like promising anything to. If you were to hear the bike lab PSA that's on the computer there, you'd hear Dwayne's voice saying, all bikes guaranteed to the end of the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Till you're out of sight. <laughs> but, you know, different people have their skills. So hopefully some of the people that come through the bike lab or other people in the community who have those organizational skills and passions will, will start bike co-ops. Um, I'd like to see, I hope Bikes for All can, you know, start something like that. It's just so expensive to have a space, you know, a good public space. And then once you've got that expense, then you've got to make money. And uh, that's not really my MO, if I can help it. Yeah. So would you say there's something that a bike co-op has to be or has to do? Gosh, I mean, I think there's all different kinds of models and styles around the country, right? I mean, you know, probably you is more than, as much or more than I do. Um, well, the, yeah. the, ones in, the ones I know in Los Angeles, it's, it's all volunteers but the but so you get stand time Mm -hmm. and then you give donations sometimes they tell you how much it should be like seven dollars an hour Mm -hmm. Uh, and the idea is you try to get people to do the work themselves as much as possible yeah but i've i've heard that sometimes you for as as the volunteer you forget uh to let them do that and you end up doing it yourself Uh do you find that there are definitely occasions at the bike lab there's certain regulars that come that I'll I'll be like okay so take the wrench and put it on that nut and turn it clockwise clockwise like 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 righty tighty and I hand them the wrench and then someone else I'm helping someone else and I turn around and they're just still standing there with the wrench <laughs> and I'm like oh see it goes on like this and turn it that way and I turn around to help someone else and the first person's just still standing there with a the wrench saying like hey did you hear about the shooting in Texas? <laughs> like, um, do you need help with your bike? <laughs> so yeah. occasionally there's people that will come and, and I, I, there's, a, there's some people that I, I know uh, their bike is not going to be rideable for them to ride away from the bike lab by the time the bike lab is over. <laughs> and sometimes they end up stepping in and being like, okay, let me just tighten that nut so you can get out of here. <laughs> Yeah. But those the situations are rare. Most people that come are really excited about learning and um, and just eager to have a space where they can you know, take their time and figure it out. And there's help nearby if they need it, so they're not afraid to take something apart and not be able to get it back together. And I think also having 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 a, having a female mechanic there is gives a level of comfort to people that they might not feel walking into a more of a bro bike shop. Mm-hmm. I've heard that a lot. So, and do you find that some people have come back and kept coming back and actually learned a lot? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah. There was someone that popped in yesterday when I was at the bike lab. They just ran downstairs to the basement and grabbed a couple of brake levers from the brake lever, used brake lever bucket, and left. And, and you know, like five, ten years ago, that person's been around. I mean, we've, I've seen that person for the last 10, 15 years since the bike lab started. But 10 or 15 years ago, they would have just been one of those people that came with their bike and they were like, uh, what do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now it's cool. Like they can just do their thing and I can keep on working with someone else who, who, th- who's learning something new. And so you have a lot of bikes, right? Yes. Yeah, so I do have a lot of bikes. <laughs> um, where to go with that? Mm-hmm. Um, I wish. Every- well, you were going to give bikes <laughs> to Haiti, right? Well, so, uh, I'll go back to the Trinidad. Project. We start with, Trinidad. start with Trinidad. So a few years ago, maybe four years ago, I made this, I ended up in Trinidad on, on a farm on the South coast of Trinidad. It was through work away, um, with some couch surfing. It's a whole long story how I got there, but to make a long story, not as long. Work um, away is some kind of, it's the work exchange, international work exchange network, kind of like woofing or help X. It's, you can go online, workaway.info, and you can travel the world and work in exchange for housing, food, and community. So I ended up staying on this farm in Trinidad for like three weeks. And when I was there, it, I, it was like two kilometers from the place where I was staying to the main farm fields. And I was walking most times. Oh, the other volunteers, the other workawayers, woofers, internationals, they would just flag down a car. But I really don't like to sit in cars, period. So I would walk and I get to meet people in the, in the community that way as well. But, but every day, sometimes I would want to go there more quickly. After like the fir- my first week there, I felt like I'd met about 30 people I could count who had invited me into their house. And I'm like, okay, I've met enough people in one week. I'm okay traveling a little faster now. If I had a bike, I wouldn't mind just like whizzing through and just trying to get where I'm trying to go. But there were so few bikes. And I would ask around, hey, is anyone know a, a, a bike I can borrow, a bike I can buy? And finally, after the end of the second week, finally someone let me uh, borrow their bike in exchange for fixing it up. But I would ask people, like, do people want bikes? Would people find bikes useful here? And many people that I talked to said, yeah, yeah, I would love a bike. I'd buy a bike. It's just, you know, we're an island, so someone has to import them. We don't have bike factories here. And there's just, you know, there's the, the demand is high, but they're hard to get. And the ones that we can get here tend to be pretty poor quality. So, yeah, if you want to you <laughs> send bikes here, we'd, we'd buy them. Mm-hmm. So I started working on the, the Trinidad Bicycle Osmosis Project. And I want to give a big shout out to Bikes Not Bombs based in Boston, the Boston area. They were my, they, they, they guided me through all this. And I went to several container loadings of Bikes Not Bombs. Bikes Not Bombs, they collect used bikes and ship them to partner projects overseas, as well as have um, earn a bike programs in uh, Dorchester, or Dorchester, I forget, Dorchester or somewhere in Boston. The warehouse maybe is in Dorchester. Anyway, so Bikes Not Bombs, I went out there Helped learned how to load a shipping container with five or six hundred bikes. They, they, yeah, they helped me out with so much. And so then I started. So they're already doing what you're talking about doing with bicycle osmosis. Bikes not yeah, bombs. They've been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. Um, but not the Trinidad. No, they started out, I think, to, I want to say, like Nicaragua or Central America, El Salvador, um, Guatemala, I'm not sure. But they've, so. Then I started collecting for the Trinidad project, 
And so we shipped that container like um, a year. I guess it's been two years now, almost two years since we shipped that container. And so COVID hit in the middle of it. So I, we the shipping got postponed. Originally, I was going to be there when the container arrived to help put the bikes back together. Because um, they there's not... Like I said, there's not a lot of bikes there, and so there also aren't a lot of trained bike mechanics there. A lot of, like, general mechanics, but not bike-specific. And bikes are a little more delicate than cars. Um, so, anyway. Bikes are more delicate than cars. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so... In what sense? In what sense? Well... You know, the wrenches are smaller, the torque is less, the, the maybe like you don't want to take a hammer to every piece of it that won't move right, okay. as soon as you want it to. The fine tuning of like the shifting and the and the gears and all that. Um, anyway, so the Trinidad project. Anyway, so, so the bikes shipped. I went down there this past winter to see the aftermath. So Bikes Not Bombs, they only partner with established programs. And so even though they, like, I consulted with them a lot, you know, it was clear that my, this community in Moruga on the south coast of Trinidad that I was working with, like, everyone knew, I knew, my partners there knew, Bikes Not Bombs knew, this didn't have the infrastructure to support, to really support um, the this kind of project. But my farming friends there and I like we kind of felt like well there's a lot of there's it's easy for me to get bikes and ship bikes and the benefits of the project will outweigh the downsides the drawbacks and so we decided to go ahead and, and do it and as predicted it was pretty disorganized <laughs> quite disorganized what do you mean infrastructure like I mean like roads? there weren't a lot of bike shops there wasn't there wasn't like an established bike co-op there that I was working with for example, it was mostly a friend, a friend of a friend who had a big warehouse, who had import experience, who, uh, who said he could, who be, he could store the bikes, he could receive the shipping, the tractor trailer with the bikes, he could coordinate, they could coordinate unloading of it and storing the bikes, and coordinating reassembling the bikes, and redistributing them, selling some, giving some. Um, hiring a mechanic or mechanics to fix them um yeah so i got there a year and a half after the bikes had arrived because that was how long it took for the borders to reopen after covid closed them there were still about 75 bikes left when i got there this past december most of them have been sold given away stolen <laughs> i don't know abandoned in the ocean i don't know mm. um but the bikes that were left i c gathered i collected i assembled bikes and tools and parts that were scattered all over the community <laughs> it was really frustrating the disorganization and then basically i just set up a bike workshop in my friend's kitchen outdoor kitchen an actual kitchen this is a bike show up shop a bike kitchen in a kitchen <laughs> it just keeps for some reason bikes keep showing up in kitchens for co-ops um, yeah so then kids uh, like in the mornings when i was there for the last over the winter i was there for two and a half months in the mornings I would work on the farm, and in the afternoons, I'd ride a couple kilometers to Nariga's bike kitchen, and there's only one road through town, and kids would see me going through town on my bike. They'd be like, 
Ruti, Ruti, are you going to fix bikes today? Ruti, can I come? Ruti, I want to <laughs> fix my bike. Ruti, do you have a spanner? Ruti, <laughs> Ruti, a Ruti. Spanner, really? They know about like <laughs> specific bike tools. Um, well, it's just a s- no, just because a spanner is what they say for a wrench, what we would call a wrench, because it's British English. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things they said that I couldn't understand because the accent was a little different from from mine. But anyway, they um, um but Eng- they speak English in, in Trinidad. Yeah. Yeah, very hard for me to understand in the rural areas. Um, so, yeah, so I just fixed bikes with kids and spent a lot of energy telling them to get lost. I can't handle you anymore. And then in the back of my mind being like, oh, my gosh, if I was in the United States, I would be struggling to organize to try and get kids off of their devices to mm. come fix bikes. And now I'm swamped with kids who want to fix bikes. I'm like, oh, I can't handle <laughs> it. <laughs> you need to import the kids. How about yeah. you thought about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, there's something else really important I wanted to say, but I, I forget. <laughs> you talk, it'll come back to um, me. Well, I was talking about <laughs> the difficulty with distributing bikes here. And, and you were talking about how, you know, even if you, you do that, maybe the, the, you, can't, you can't do it because the parts aren't, they, they can't maintain it. But we only have I know. a few yeah. seconds left. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend from Haiti who um who has a project there that I'm collecting bikes for now. And some people um some people will say, well, it's better to sell the bikes here in the United States and send the money somewhere else in many situations. Um it's tricky though because in my environment, I feel like there's so many bikes and fixing them up takes so much time. And in the United States, we have this idea of like time is money. And labor costs are so high, so it can be hard to fix up a bike and sell it here and the person that's doing the fixing to make the market wage. Um, yeah. Well, there's so much going on. Uh, I guess you'll be back to talk about, hopefully. I mean, you are local. This is your radio station. You have <laughs> yeah, a show yeah, here. Yeah, yeah I'll, be, I'll talk about it on Out There. Okay. Yeah, yeah, out there. Actu- you take my old out there slot, but my new out there slot is Fridays from four until five on Valley Free Radio. All right, great. And so, you can translate that to the time zone of your <laughs> choice, and you can hear it at valleyfreeradio.org. Thank you, Ruthie, so much for coming. Thank you for getting me involved with Valley Free Radio, and thank you for all the good work. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show today. And anyone listening, you can. Hear more and get in touch with us at biketalk.org or .com. Have a nice week. Get on your bike, sit on the seat, put your feet on the pedal, and run all around, run all around. Get on your bike, sit on the seat, put your feet on the pedal, and run all around, run all around. Get that car out of my way, I want to ride my bike today. I won't go stinking up the alley behind the daily grind. Let your mind unwind. Give us life, pretend to lie. Better get yourself a bike. Oh, got yourself a bike. Oh, got yourself a bike.